Clone Wars is over. Season 7 has finished. We decided to sit down and watch the last four episodes, which we hadn't seen yet, The Siege of Mandalore. And there's a lot to talk about in this season. It never ceases to amaze me how Clone Wars, which started off as a fairly silly kids cartoon, especially if you go back and you watch the original movie that it was ba- that it started the whole thing, turned into kind of the best thing Star Wars has ever done. Yeah. So let's talk about that on today's episode of Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name is Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, and yeah, we're going to talk about Clone Wars, specifically the final season, but kind of all of it. Because, oh my goodness, this show has been so consistently good throughout. Even in the early seasons when I wasn't sure what it was going for, and it's more lighthearted tone seemed to clash with the fact that it was about literally a war. The way that it found to tell stories and establish characters and expand the Star Wars universe was so powerful and amazing, and in many ways is the high watermark for me in Star Wars. I have found myself judging the movies and even the Mandalorian, up to the standard of this show. The voice acting is amazing. The characterization is so good. The storylines run from the silly and the entertaining from, you know, the bombad Jedi, which is probably the best appearance of Jar Jar Binks in anything, through to the Siege of Mandalore where it gets really serious. There's kaiju episodes with the Zilla Beast. There's there's a little bit of everything. And for the earliest seasons, George Lucas was intimately involved in the crafting of this show. And you can see what he wanted Star Wars to be in this series. If you've ever read the Marvel series, The Star Wars, which is a comic book adaptation of the early scripts, which I often recommend people read because when they start going after the prequels, yeah, you can see a lot of the elements of the prequels in those original stories and how he wanted to make it all happen, but he didn't have the budget or the ability to make it. So by the time you get to the Clone Wars, he does. And the Star Wars universe that he builds is so powerful and so moving and just, it's, it's wonderful. To focus in more on the final season, there will be spoilers later, but I will give you notice before they happen. We, we have the final season broken up into three, four episode arcs. 
starting with the Bad Batch, and then we have Ahsoka's Misadventures, and then we have the Siege of Mandalore. <clears throat> the Bad Batch arc, I'm not going to spend too much time on. It was good, it was entertaining, and for all three of these, we knew certain things going into them because they didn't think that they would ever be able to do this season. So there are table reads available. You can see it with the original animatics. We, we, we knew a lot about this season going into it, a lot more than we normally would have. Just because, you know, they never thought that they would get to make it, so they put all that information out. So I'm not going to go into detail about how much changed. Star Wars Explained has done a really good job of that. So if you're curious about that, I highly recommend his stuff. Because I honestly, when one, we knew they were going to have to change things because they had completely spoiled these episodes. And two, those were early draft scripts. They were in the process of writing the, the season when the show was canceled. So things were inevitably going to change. And I, 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 I don't think that that's a controversial thing to say, especially by the time Disney decided to bring it back for a final season, things were going to change. And for the most part, I think they changed for the better. The Bad Batch arc is a very interesting inside look and almost a pitch for what Star Wars meets Mission Impossible could be. That's not exactly what this that that arc is, but you can kind of see them testing that idea. And that more than anything is what I got out of these three arcs. The second arc with Ahsoka's journey and everything that goes on with her, it is a wonderful tour into Ahsoka and fills in some of the gaps of what happened to her after she left the Jedi Order. She's in fact the main character of the last eight episodes in the season. And the one change that I am going to comment on is one of the characters was supposed to be a love interest for her, and they changed that, and that's for the best. It made the story work a lot better without having an undercurrent, will they, won't they, you know, it, it, it would have unnecessarily complicated the story, and I'm glad that they cut it out. I'm glad that they replaced the character, and it worked. It was really, really good. And you can see them kind of setting this up, right? Would you like to see kind of a buddy cop misadventures in the underworld kind of show? If so, check out these four episodes and tell me what you think. The sisters have spinoff material written all over them. And you know that somebody is testing to see if that is a thing that they should do. And who knows, maybe it is. We know that we're getting a female-led Star Wars series that's going to be set in a different era. Well, what if it's this one? Nothing's happening during the time of the movies. Maybe it's going to be the Adventures of the Sisters. We don't know, because they didn't tell us. They're just trying to get us hyped without any information. And I can't stand it when they try to get us hyped with no information. But I digress. The real gem here is the final four episodes, The Siege of Mandalore. And you could tell that they knew that that was the case 
because the they changed the opening credits. <laughs> Which is something that the Clone Wars has been fairly consistent about through the entire run, even with its move from the Disney Channel to Netflix to Disney+. Plus. They've been fairly consistent about the intro to the show. These four episodes are introduced somewhere between being a film in the Skywalker saga and being an episode of the Clone Wars. And that works really well and prepares you for the events that are going to happen. This series, as it was promoted, pits Ahsoka versus Maul during the events. Oh my goodness. During the events of Revenge of the Sith. And this is where I need to put my spoiler warning in because I don't know how much I will accidentally spoil just talking about this portion of the series because I really want to talk about this portion of the season. So if you have not seen either the final season, the seventh season of Clone Wars, the TV series, or Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, and you do not want to be spoiled about either one of them, go check out, watch them, come back, we'll talk. Spoilers are incoming in five, four, three, two, one. Mm. Now, I had a feeling that the Siege of Mandalore was going to happen concurrent to the events of Revenge of the Sith. Mainly because one of the things that we definitely knew would happen in this arc would be Order 66, and we would find out exactly how Ahsoka and Rex both survived that. <clears throat> the movie could be run parallel to this plot arc. And that is powerful. There are several moments where we click in and out of the film. There's actually one pivotal scene from the movie that is remade in animation in this, oh, in this series that helps you realize exactly where you are and extends the series out. And you see the fatal flaw of the Jedi. You see the hubris of the Jedi. Because at this point, Ahsoka has learned from Maul that Anakin Skywalker has been groomed to be the new apprentice of Darth Sidious. Now, she doesn't know who Darth Sidious is. And at this point, I don't, no one seems to know that he and Emperor Palpatine are the same. Well, Chancellor Palpatine are the same person. But she knows that the Emperor, that, that, that Darth Sidious has set all of this up. Everything is happening according to his plan. And Mace Windu will not talk to her because she has left the Jedi Order. And so she doesn't share any of the information with him. Mm. So when does this showdown between Ahsoka and Mace Windu happen? 
Okay, if you've watched Revenge of the Sith, you know that scene where they send Anakin to go find out about the Chancellor, and when Anakin leaves the room, they start talking about how they might have to overthrow the Emperor if he doesn't, the Chancellor, if he doesn't step down and return control to the Senate? Well, the scene actually begins with a recreation of that moment. Anakin has already left, the Masters are talking. And then Ahsoka enters, and we get the rest of the conversation. They could have found out that this was all part of the grand design. They could have known that they were walking into a trap. But they didn't. Only Yoda, only Yoda has an inkling that whatever it is that Ahsoka knows is important. When all of the other masters hop off of the conference call, Yoda stays behind and tries to get the information out of her in that subtle little Yoda way that he has. This is also very clearly the way that they excuse Yoda and Obi-Wan, saying that the Jedi Order is extinct because Ahsoka very clearly, yet again, reiterates that she is not rejoining the Jedi, that she is not becoming a Jedi. Though Yoda does refer to her as Padawan throughout the conversation. But you see the hubris of the Jedi, which is, in so many ways, what the prequel series is about, about how that self-righteous self-importance blinds you to the real evils that are going on in the world. When you are so convinced that everything you do is right, and you're not asking the hard questions, you're not probing the hard questions, when you have filled yourself with such a sense of heroism and sanctimony that you cannot be questioned, you have fallen to the dark side already. And to see that on display in this series, then those cuts back and forth where we're getting those kind of timestamps in the series, knowing what's going on, especially like if you haven't seen both of these and you're some, for some reason, still listening, watch Revenge of the Sith first, then watch the Clone Wars because it's those tie-ins that add to the tension. Both Maul and Ahsoka feel the disturbance in the force when Anakin falls to the dark side. And we, having seen the movie, we know what happened. He kills Mace Windu-ish, maybe. Hmm. That's a topic for another day. He, But he hurdles Mace Windu out of the window. He is sided with the Emperor. He has fallen to the dark side. He gets his new name, Darth Vader, and he's sent to kill every Jedi in the temple. And we know what happens after this. The Emperor gives Order 66 that all the Jedi are to be killed on sight for treason. And we know that that's coming. We know that that's coming. We have all the context because we've seen the other movie. Maul doesn't know that's coming. He's been trapped in a Mandalorian imprisonment chamber designed to hold force wielders 
so they can't escape. He's helpless. Ahsoka is on the bridge of a battle cruiser surrounded by clone troopers. She has no idea what's coming her way. And the beautiful use of tension there, that dramatic irony when we as the audience know exactly what's about to happen, but she doesn't. And she goes in the room and Rex and the other troopers turn and point their weapons at her. Many of these troopers that were so excited that she had come back had painted her markings on their helmets are now turned with their weapons pointed at her to kill her. There are few moments in Star Wars that are so beautifully rendered and so wonderfully done. This is one of them. Everything that happens from that point on in the series and everything leading up to that, it's such a masterful stroke in getting to see Darth Maul's descent into madness as he realizes what's going on and he sends the pikes and Dark Sun in Crimson Dawn into hiding so that they can withstand the birth pangs of the Empire and they can find a way to profit off of it. Which, by the way, I have to do a brief aside on that because Shizor was on the holo call. I'm pretty sure. I, I cannot find anyone talking about this, and I can't find any, um, mar- anything official saying that that was definitely Shizor, but he's just there for a second. We see the three heads of the three crime families. One is obviously a character that we know from Solo, who runs Crimson Dawn. One is the Pike, the head of the Pikes, who we've met previously even in this series. And the third one who is the head of Black Sun, who, if it's not Shizor, they used Shizor as the basis for him, and that kind of blew my brain. Now, they may have done this before, and I missed it, but, you know, I, okay, I'm an old-school Star Wars fan, I've talked about that a lot, Shizor was the main villain for, from the Shadows of the Empire stories, basically in the Fall of the Empire Shizor had enough power as head of Black Sun to basically create a rival power to the New Republic and become one of the new big bads for a brief period of time after the events of the original trilogy. In Legends, he's one of the characters that was wiped out of history when Legends was dubbed Legends. Yeah, and there he was on the screen. I, I freaked out. I rewound, I paused it. My husband's like, what, 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 what? I'm loading up Google to get an image so I can show him as I'm explaining it to him. Because he's a Star Wars fan, but he was a fan of the movies. He didn't get into like the comics and the games and stuff until, you know, later. But, oh man, that, that kind of blew my mind. It just kind of blew my mind. And I hope it's him. Mainly because... There are quite a few characters from Legends I want to see back. She's wasn't really high on my list, actually. Kirkanos. I, I want Kirkanos. I want a canon version of Kirkanos in, yeah, Star Wars. I, I, he needs to come back. 
I, he has to come back. Kirkinos, Nomi Sun Rider, they have to make a return. Yeah. <laughs> and Ulit Keldrama. Yeah. These are some of my wishlist characters. I would love Mara Jade, but I doubt that that will ever happen. But Nomi Sun Rider, Ulit Keldrama, and... Uh, yeah. Okay. So, the way they timed everything out worked beautifully. The way that they told the story worked beautifully. The performances were amazing. The artwork was so good. And I'm not saying that I've been disillusioned with Star Wars because I haven't been. I've actually enjoyed the movies. Even Rise of Skywalker is not a great movie, but I like the Flash Gordon movie. I like Ice Pirates. I like Time Bandits. The... <laughs> I, I, I've got a, a, a particular fondness in my heart for bad space opera and bad, you know, space adventure stories and whatnot, sci-fi adventure stories. So, you know, I, I can roll with it. But uh, this just reminds you how good Star Wars can be and how you can take this format and really make it matter. Because... Oh man, cartoons are usually such throwaway media, and you can kind of see that with uh, Resistance. I think Resistance, it was a good show, I enjoyed the show, but he, Disney didn't really put a lot of love into it. it. It was the show that they released to try to get more of the kids into the Star Wars, you know, but Rebels, and especially, especially, especially Clone Wars, are both really enthralling stories with great characters that move the mythology forward in powerful and meaningful ways that have found that right balance that Star Wars needs between being humorous and goofy and telling serious heartfelt stories. So I'm very happy. I'm very happy with how the Clone Wars ended. And yeah, I'm, I'm sad to see it go. I really am. Though, uh, I know they've announced that Boba Fett's going to be on The Mandalorian, because of course he is. And I don't care, because I never really liked Boba Fett. But, um... <laughs> give me a live-action Ahsoka. That that would be cool. Because, you know, she and Boba have a history. Yeah. And she's alive during that period, so you could do it. Anywho, I, it, it, was, it was great. It was, it was really good. If you haven't seen them, you should watch them. All right. Well, that's it for me today. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, down in the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean so I can use it on the show. I'd love to hear from you. If you'd rather hit me up on social media, you can find links to... You can hit, yeah, I am C.E. Dorson on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find links to everything they do over at projectshadow.com. If by some miracle you have any funds that you could pass my way, in the show notes you'll find a link for both listener support and my Patreon. Thank you to everybody who does that. Listener support will be suspending their um, fees until September to help us podcasters get more Thank you to everybody who does that. It means the world to me. You have no idea. Things are really tough right now. Um, but they are for everybody. So, yeah. If you don't have any money right now or you don't feel like giving, please don't feel 
any pressure or obligation. But if you know anybody who you think would like anything that I do, please share it with them. That helps out more than you could possibly know. Also, as I'm talking about doing these spinoff shows about this, that, and the other thing, I'm half thinking about doing a Star Wars show. I'd love to know what you think about that. Let me know. And until next time, stay well, stay safe, and don't forget to have the fun. Bye.